With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm your host, Ariana Bravo, and this is the Autosport Podcast. Another absolutely thrilling race in the 2021 season that sees Max Verstappen taking victory here in Austin and extending his championship lead by 12 points. He was joined on the podium by Lewis Hamilton, who spent the final laps of the race chasing Verstappen down, and Checo Perez, who was over 40 seconds off the lead. I am joined today by two wonderful guests, Charles Bradley, Editor-in-Chief of Motorsport.com, and special guests, Seth Harding, F1 writer and podcaster. It's an absolute pleasure to be joined by both of you today. First off, Seth, how are you doing? Doing great. Though those of us here in Southern California are a little sad because our, our Los Angeles Dodgers did not make it to the World Series, so it's a bit of a, you know, a bit of a little somber moment right now. Um, I'm an Angels fan, so I mean, but it was a good game. Other than that, doing great, great weather. Good to hear. I like how you're coming straight in with all the sports there. You're just throwing it all in. <laughs> I love that. Um, Charles, how are you doing? I'm in Miami, so I'm a Dolphins fan. We lost again today, so we suck too. So commiserations shared there with, with Seth. But I'm also a Liverpool fan, so the fact we beat Manchester United 5-0 on home turf on their home turf today uh, kind of cheered me up a little bit. Seth, you're up first. Out of 10, what are you going to give the US Grand Prix? And oh, why? Okay, I'm going to try not to be biased here. I'm, I'm going to give it like a 9. But I think there was bias in there. <laughs> Yeah, it was a good rating. Definitely biased behind um, that rating, but that's okay. <laughs> Charles, what would you give it out of 10? I would give it, I'd, I'd give it an 8.5, but I, 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 I uh, agree, you know, as, a, as a, I've lived in America now for uh, six years. So give, giving it a hard nine is, uh, is a nice call, Seth. 
Charles, talk us through that race start because Lewis Hamilton had a fantastic, fantastic getaway and it, it gave him the lead ultimately. Talk us through how that went between Max and Lewis. It was a combination of Lewis making a fantastic start and Max just getting a little bit of wheel spin off the line. I don't know if his reaction time looked like it was pretty good. Looked like one of the phases of the starts didn't quite go to plan. Soon as Lewis got that launch, he was aiming for that inside apex. Interesting that Max didn't line his car up uh, to the left to point but as soon as he realized he'd made a you know he'd fluffed it slightly he was hard left he was going towards Lewis trying to pin him towards the the apex the corner make that entry shallower so he he, he would he knew that he'd try and pinch him into the corner to make him slow down tried to get that run around the outside obviously Lewis is going to hang him out to dry on the exit curb which uh, of course remember they took away those orange uh, little sausage curbs on the on the exit of the corner after one of the W series drivers uh, suffered a back injury uh, and Max you know obviously hung on Kept his second place. Checo allowed him to keep his second place as they as they went into the S's. But yeah, it was it was a thrilling start. You could really feel the feel the vibe of the of the crowd as well. That huge grandstand on the right hand side of the the, the uphill uh, start into turn one. You know the guys were off their feet, waving their hats in the air. You know, and it was a, it was a thrilling start to to what was turned out to be a really cracking race. It really really was. We knew that it would be exciting that race start with the two championship rivals lining up beside each other um, I think a lot of people thought there may actually be contact of course going up to that turn one they did, didn't have any contact kept it clean and it was fantastic to watch it was really really gripping Seth what did you make of that race start were you expecting Lewis to end out, end up in the lead at the end of turn one well you know he had um, been practicing some really good race starts uh, beforehand and you know when he got off the line he, he nailed it you know he, he just nailed it right on and uh, yeah, to, to Charles's point, yeah, you thought that Max was going to, you know, try to squeeze him on the inside, you know, and put his car right there when they were going to turn one. But, you know, he didn't. And, uh, you know, we, we, we've watched that from Max Verstappen. We've sort of seen a little more of that aggressive approach from Max Verstappen in, uh, in races with, you know, through this out this season. And uh, he, he kind of eased up a little bit. You're not as aggressive as we've seen him before. Uh, and that is what may have cost him the lead, you know. But at this point where we've got, like, you know, the races are ticking down, you can't take too many risks anymore. You know, either driver's got to be very careful at this point on, you know, because reliability, what you get into, pick and choosing your your, your points of where you want to take that risk, where you want to shoot for that gap is really, really crucial because the wrong move could be costly, really costly at the end. Yeah, I totally agree with Seth there. I mean, I mean, you know, this now Max came into this race as the points leader, so he really had something to lose today. I think previously we've seen him being the aggressor. This time he's almost like, okay, I've got to think big picture here. So he didn't sort of squeeze, as, as Seth said, he didn't really pinch him down too hard because he knew he was on the outside. So he knew if there was going to be contact, it might be him who came off worse and then he'd lose the big chunk of points to Lewis. So uh, a, a fascinating insight into how their, their brains are working behind the wheel. And of course, we saw that moment after turn one where Perez conceded almost to Verstappen uh, and of course to keep him in P2 chasing down Lewis how critical do you think that was uh, in the grand scheme of things if it hadn't been Perez behind him if it had been another car do you think we would have had a different result this race or do you think that ultimately Max was looking on top form regardless and he would have been able to find his way past uh, if he had fallen behind uh, any other rival that may have been there I actually thought that Red Bull was going to you know, try to put Lewis in a, in a Red Bull sandwich, 
definitely play that advantage of having both of your cars right there, having, you know, uh, Perez, you know, play the wingman, you know, and, and do, you know, and help out. Uh, in all honesty, I thought they were going to put Lewis in a Red Bull sandwich, you know, that we were going to get, you know, Perez on either side, we get either Red Bull on either side going into turn one. Uh, had Perez got a really good, you know, jump off the line that they squeeze Lewis and sort of work together, you know, and play the team game. Um, but we didn't get a chance to see that. Yes, I do feel like if it was another car back there, you know, any other team or car that would have been back there, it could have, it could have ended in disaster because maybe, uh, like we said, Max tends to get a little aggressive sometimes and maybe he would have got caught in that turn with another car and that could have been disastrous there in itself. Um, you know, so, but because Perez was there, you know, we were able to, to, to try to do what they could and it still got both cars on the podium, you know, regardless if, if, if uh, Perez was in no man's land, you know, I mean, they still did the job by getting the cars on the podium and that helps them to construct a championship. And we noticed that Perez actually dropped off quite a bit from the leaders, as I mentioned in the rundown there. He just wasn't able to keep up to the pace. It was, you know, Max and Lewis in a league of their own today. Charles, what was it that Perez seemed to be struggling with in comparison to his teammate? Because up until today, he's been on really strong form this weekend and, you know, almost having a shot at pole there yesterday with, with the performances that he was putting in. But what was it today that wasn't quite going in his favour? Yeah, you're right to point out he was on provisional pole in Q3 and, you know, Max really had to, and Lewis had to pull it out to, to actually beat him. Um, obviously, he had the, the problem with the, with, the, with the drinks bottle today. We saw before the race a bit of panic around Max's car and they were f- putting water into the, or fluid, let's say, into the, into the nose of the car. That's where they put the, uh, the drinks containers these days to help with the, the centre of gravity. So they put, they put the, the weight of that water or electrolyte fluid, whatever you want to call it, uh, in the front of the car. So maybe they, they had a little bit of a problem, a similar problem with Perez's car. Maybe they focused on Max over Checo and just left him to it. Um, obviously, Austin's probably one of the most physical tracks uh, they visit this year. You know, it's super bumpy. It was a hot day. Uh, you've got that incredible S's section you have to uh, you have to go through. And um, we saw after the race, Checo was really, really he looked almost almost out of it, didn't he? He looked really, really physically physically drained to start with. He wasn't too far behind. He was kept within that sort of five second range, but then he just totally faded uh, throughout the race. Obviously, having a Red Bull with Bottas starting so far back after his uh, after his grid penalty, um, he was always going to be a, an easy third but even at the end we saw Charles Leclerc started coming back at him and uh, which was quite remarkable in a, in a Ferrari that was definitely uh, you know slightly off that pace the Red Bull so I'd, I'd say it was it was a really strong performance from Perez it was you know um, the, the kind of performance they need in the Constructors Championship they're still sort of you know, in in that battle you know they need they need to do a lot better than they did today to, to really catch up uh, with Mercedes but uh, I, th- I think he did he did a fair job today considering he was uh, he was pretty thirsty um, I want to go back to Max and Lewis because of course that is the main talking point of today's race that is what the international feed was focused on that is what everyone was following so so closely on the edges of our seats but let's actually talk through how the race unfolded here because Red Bull pulled the trigger quite early when it came to that undercut and I know that a lot of people were questioning oh have they done it just 
a little bit too early. Uh, what did you make of that, Steph? Do you think that was a risky move? Um, I spoke to Max after the race and he said, yeah, we did go aggressive with the strategy, but it paid off. Uh, what did you make of it at the time? Were you thinking that it was it was maybe too big a risk or did you think that, yeah, they know what they're doing here? Right on the edge of being a bit risky uh, to pull the trigger so early. Um, but what ended up happening is that it ended up working out for him because Max was able to, to hold a little bit of time in those tires at the end, like at the very end where everybody thought that, you know, we saw Lewis closing in on him and just down almost in the DRS range. But then he was just, Max was able to still just pull out that little bit of extra time out of those tires. So it, it really, Red Bull has been really good this season at being able to cover Mercedes, you know, when in strategy, because Mercedes has dropped the ball a few times. And unfortunately, we haven't seen this, that, that crystal clear, like precise, methodical Mercedes team that we've seen in recent years. They have made some mistakes, and, and Red Bull has been able to capitalize that. And they've been really paying attention to what they're doing and, and being able to, to, to counteract that. And they did that today. You know, they saw what the, that Mercedes was going to end up doing at the end, and, and they had asked Max to, to, you know, to produce a pretty hefty order by holding out and, and getting those tires to the end and being able to stretch out and hold back a little bit of time to keep Lewis off. And, and they executed that. And they walked into Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton's backyard today and took a big victory. That's a confidence booster and going into the, to the remaining races of this championship. This is mission critical now for them, you know, to have to, you know, come up with a solution uh, of, of dealing with Red Bull who have been, you know, on top of them. They haven't been able to pull away from them. So they're going to have to do some thinking going into to, to Mexico. Uh, but like I said, it's, this is crucial now because we are running out of races. Charles, what were your thoughts of the strategy calls today of both Red Bull and Mercedes? Uh, do you think that they were spot on? Which team do you think was spot on and which team do you think could have done stuff differently in hindsight? And what do you think they could have done differently? I think this was quite literally a win for Red Bull today on the strategy front. You know, we've seen before where Mercedes have shocked them. Um, thinking back to Bahrain and a couple of other times where they've they've put they've pulled the trigger and un- undercut them. The undercut was very powerful today. Um, we saw when uh, Lewis uh, rejoined after after Max's super early stop um, when he went on the obviously they both went for the hard tires. You know, he, Max had a lead of like what six point seven seconds at that point. Then we saw Lewis carve into that lead, but the reason Max had got 6.7 seconds was he pushed super hard on that first set of hard tires that he'd, he'd switched to after his first stop so when it came to that second so not only they triggered early on that one they realized on the on the set of hards that suddenly they were gonna have to trigger early on this too because you know he was complaining that he was losing grip Lewis was coming back at him hard you know the gap was under three seconds when Max pitted, pitted for the second time on lap 30 so he had that 26 lap runs to finish Lewis obviously went longer, seven laps longer. The gap was now eight, out to 8.8 seconds, but this time Max had that knowledge. That, you know, Christian Horner said after the race that the tyres were pretty much down to the canvas when they took those first set of hards off. They knew that Max this time should really ease into the set. He didn't push so hard. He tried, he managed it really to perfection. I think that's what really won them the race today. It was the, it was the trigger to get the undercut to get the track position in the first place. And then Max's last stint was genius in the way that he didn't push too hard. And then when he had to, because Lewis was coming back and back and back, and we saw they got to under one second right in those last couple of laps, 
then he put the hammer down then he he just had just enough in those tires to keep that advantage keep lewis behind because if lewis had got drs you know for one or two laps he probably would have been toast so you know that that was the the the, the mission critical as uh, seth said there they really did pull that off today it was it was a great win for red bull it was a brilliant win and it had us on the edge of our seats until the very very end i mean Seth, did you think that Lewis Hamilton was going to be able to take the victory? Was there a moment where you thought, yeah, he's got this in the bag? Or did you think that Red Bull looked, you know, confident and secure in those final laps as Hamilton was chasing them down? Okay, so let's look at this. Uh, this was Lewis Hamilton. Like I said, this is Lewis Hamilton's backyard. He's got five wins at Coda. The numbers are in his favor to have won this race today. You know, but like we've been talking about, Red Bull have come, you know, they brought the thunder this weekend. You know, they... They literally rode the bull into the sunset. It was a it was a, it was a showdown between the two. You know, I mean, it, it, and and we really did think that Lewis was going to close in. You know, in the last three laps, we saw those numbers start to tick down. We got he got down to almost less than a second, just in the DRS range. But just for some reason, the DRS did not open. He was in. He was just inside outside the zone, but then it went back up to one second. And that's just that. I think that was that. It was that thin of a margin that he needed that, you know, to try to close in on Max Verstappen, but he just wasn't able to do it. So it was a big surprise. I think it was a shock to a lot of people to see Red Bull uh, be able to take it to Mercedes and take it to, to Lewis Hamilton on, on pretty much his home turf uh, and take a crucial victory. That may end up being a deciding factor at the end of the season. As you've mentioned there a few times, this is what many consider to be Mercedes' stumping ground. Going into this weekend, I think most people were expecting Mercedes to be dominant as they have been in prior years. And I know that when I spoke to Alex Kalinorkas, uh, Autosports Grand Prix editor, uh, yesterday, I said to him, were you expecting Max Verstappen to even be on pole yesterday coming into this weekend? And he said, absolutely not. Um, but here we are at the end of the race weekend and Max Verstappen and Red Bull have managed to take this victory. You've said already, Seth, how critical you think it is. Charles, what do you make of that? Is this a point where Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton are probably going to start start to worry a little bit that Red Bull are so dominant at these tracks that we are typically used to being Mercedes dominant tracks. Do you think this is a, a pivotal moment in this championship fight? I think that it will, we'll have to wait and see how pivotal it was. It was certainly a, a brilliant statement of intent from Red Bull to come onto a track where you know Mercedes has this fantastic track record. As we can see, it was only by 1.3 seconds, and the lead changed you know a couple of hand, a couple of times during the race. So it wasn't exactly that they came here and and blew Mercedes away. However, they did take you know pole by a couple of tenths, and they did win the race by you know a, a small margin. So it's uh, it's it's definitely one feather in the cap for for Red Bull. Um, maybe we'll go to Mexico and suddenly Mercedes will turn the tables back as you know we expect Mexico to be a, to be a Red Bull track. Um, one thing we we did talk a lot about coming into this race was the um, the Mercedes having that kind of squatting suspension, the way that they were able to stall out the diffuser that we saw in Turkey. A lot of that was made over the over over this weekend. Austin's just one of those tracks because it's so bumpy and you've got so many high-speed corners. I'm not sure that kind of Mercedes system was quite so effective. And again, we didn't really get to see that wheel-to-wheel -wheel fight apart from 
the first uh, runs to the corner where they were where they were side by side. So maybe Mercedes will come back in Mexico. Maybe with that system, you know, big long straight in Mexico is absolutely huge. Um, they could they could benefit from that again. So I think this this one's basically going to run and run and run. And we've got a few curveballs coming up with Qatar, Saudi Arabia. You know, new tracks that people just haven't been to before. They're not race Formula One cars around these tracks before. So it's, you know, it's it's literally anyone's guess. So the, all the teams are going to be working so hard with their simulation tools to make sure they're in good shape going into all of these final, you know, few races. You know, it's really, it's the end game time now. To Charles's point, we've got some unknown factors in there. and uh, But we, we do know that Lewis is very strong when it comes to, to new tracks. You know, he has a very impressive record. When it comes to inaugural races and new tracks, you know, obviously with Coda, you know, and, and various others that he, so that may play a factor into that too as well. But the question I think is going to be like, how far is Ripple going to be by the time we get to Saudi Arabia, by the time we get to Qatar, because the way things are just swinging right now, that they have to, that Mercedes has to, to find a way to claw back a little bit from this, this deficit um, because it, you know the time is running out. But I think these two, these two unknown factors are going to produce something very exciting to similar to what we saw uh, at Coda today. Well, I know that I'm very, very excited to see how they shake things up because this this battle that we have at the top of the championship is just so, so, so close and gripping throughout the year. Um, and like we've seen, it just keeps throwing surprises our way, which is fantastic for all of the fans who watch and love this sport. Um, looking to the two drivers' teammates, uh, let's talk a little bit about how they perform. We've already spoken about Checo uh, today, so we won't we won't revisit that. But Valtteri Bottas, what did you make of his performance today? We saw him struggling to overtake Carlos Sainz towards the end of the race. Charles, what did you make of his drive today? Yeah, it was just one of those where you knew he was on the pace just like Checo was of you know of Max and Lewis then it comes to the race and he's in the battle and he's in the sort of dirty air and stuff like that and he's just not making headway like he got stuck behind Sonoda uh Gasly TV Mister Gasly passed him at one point before he had his uh, his suspension issue and it's like come on guy you're driving a Mercedes you know you uh, you won the last race you know you should really really be doing better than this obviously he did then battle his way past Norris and Sainz but you'd, again you'd expect him to do that and uh, he's, he's ended up finishing three seconds behind Ricciardo um, and yeah you, you just expect more from somebody who can uh, who can qualify that far up the grid um, you know it, it was a shame they had to do the uh, the, the, the grid penalty but uh, yeah it's one of the reasons why he's not retaining that drive next year and George Russell's got it instead Valtteri dealt with uh, the cars that were dealt to him this weekend you know, and uh, just tried to make the best of it. I mean, it was surprising, like Charles said, that, that, that we saw him step behind Sonoda. But then, you know, with Valtteri, it's sort of this weird hit or miss thing that, like, you know, you ask him to deliver in certain areas, you ask him to, uh, to, to put out, and he can do it. You know, but then certain aspects in certain situations, like will to will, we've always seen that he's had a little bit of a struggle there. Let's just be honest. There has been a little bit of a struggle with Will to will with Valtteri. We want him to get his elbows out just a little bit more and really dig in there. He had to deal with what was put in front of him. And, uh, you know, he got the best result he could, sixth place. So, you know, at the end of the day, points score for Mercedes. Um, they're in a crucial moment in the constructors. They really need to hold on to it. So um, they're going to, you know, Valtteri did the best he could. And like Charles said, he's on his way 
uh, out at the end of the season. So, I mean, I'm sure he's racing as best as he can. But, you know, I mean, when you know you're moving teams, you're not really going to, you know, you can you're gonna say, hey, I'm going to race the best I can, but I'm not going to be here next season. He was also only a sixth fastest lap as well. So he's 1.6 seconds off his teammate, which just just isn't good enough for me. So, Charles, based off of that, I'm guessing you uh, definitely are in agreement with Mercedes' choice to switch to Russell next year. Yeah, absolutely. I think you've got to look forwards uh, rather than back. You know, Valtteri, he's, he's done a great job for the team. He's been a fantastic wingman for all those Lewis Hamilton championships that he's been involved with since uh, Nico Rosberg retired. I think he was absolutely the right choice at the time. Uh, and I think he'll do a great job for Alfa Romeo, bringing that team team forwards. It might have a new owner, it might not. Um, and I, I, I think he's a, he's a really, really good Grand Prix driver. You know, he, the guy's won won multiple races now, uh, but he's just not a top liner. You know, he's 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 more Mika Salo than Mika Hakkinen. You know, to be blunt. Uh, and but I, but I still think he absolutely deserves his place on the Formula One grid. And uh, I just look forward to seeing what he can do with a with a with a smaller team and try and drag them up for some uh, exciting performances in future. Now, before we move on, we're just going to say a quick thank you to today's podcast sponsor. Everyone knows how important it is to keep their immune system as strong as possible, particularly coming into the the cold and flu season. The guys over at Suns are always looking out for ways to help men with their health, and they have done it again with their new Ultimate Immune Health Supplement. It's formulated from 11 powerful ingredients and includes all the key vitamins, minerals, and amino acids you need, like D, C, B, zinc, and the plant maca, and all the things you would expect from a multivitamin. However, it's also got a special ingredient, a beta-glucan called Wellmune, which is clinically proven in 12 scientific trials. One trial in marathon runners led to a 40% reduction in respiratory infections. Another study, it showed a 71% reduction in the number of individuals reporting cold and flu symptoms. So if you're already taking a multivitamin or are looking for something to strengthen your immune system this autumn winter season, then check out suns.co.uk and use the code AUTO30 to get £30 off your first order. It's the perfect supplement for fighting viruses, maintaining energy and hydration, as well as recovery, whether that's from sports or any weekend overindulgence. Now, let's continue with our chat about today's race. We have discussed the front runners at length, but we also saw some very, very exciting battles further down the pack. For instance, we had, of course, the battles with Daniel Ricciardo, Carlos Sainz, and Lando Norris up in there for some of those battles too. Seth, what did you make of that? In the lap one, it was definitely getting very, very exciting between those three, and it obviously continued throughout the race. Uh, What did you think of all of that action in that midfield? We know how close it is between those constructors. The battle between McLaren and Ferrari and the constructors is real tight right now. Carlos Sainz delivering again, you know, another points finish, you know, and so started Charles Leclerc with uh, Charles Leclerc with uh, back-to-back fourth place finishes, you know, I mean, they're delivering uh, and, and they're battling out with a, a very strong McLaren team in the later part of the season that have really, they've really come up a bit. The win that Daniel Ricciardo took early, uh, a few races ago, that helped boost the confidence of the team. Um, you know, Lando Norris has always been delivering. Uh, it's real tight between them. It got real dicey in the beginning and, and throughout the race, like you said. 
you know, so it's great to see these kind of battles in the midfield. You know, it, I think that becomes the most exciting part for a lot of people, especially, especially a lot of Americans. I mean, when we see midfield get really into it, you know, because we're used to seeing what's going on up front. But when we get in the middle like that, you know, it's really nice to see that battle like that. So the battle between um, McLaren and Ferrari is 3.5 points. You know, it's, it's a tight margin. You know, so I can't wait to get to Mexico and find out what else is going to happen between these guys. Charles, what are you making of that battle between those drivers? And what are you making of the on-track wheel-to-wheel action that we saw between them? Who really uh, stuck out for you in those battles that we saw between Carlos, Ricardo, and uh, Norris too? So yeah, there was uh, it was a really great battle between those guys, especially on the first lap when they were three wide into turn twelve. We saw a little bit of naughtiness later on when I think Ricardo got into the side of uh, of Carlos Sainz, but it's that's just a reflection totally of how tight that battle is between Ferrari and McLaren this year. You know, two of the most winningest constructors in Formula One history. It's great to see. McLaren back up there, you know, winning a race in in Italy. Great to see Ferrari back on form after, you know, they've had their engine problems, you know, self-inflicted, to be honest. But, you know, good. But again, good to see such illustrious manufacturer right back at the sharp end today. The other thing that I really enjoyed was also, obviously, Fernando Alonso, Kimi Raikkonen, Antonio Giovinazzi (laughs) just going at it like, you know... You wouldn't believe, you know, taking ch- Kimi and Fernando taking chunks out of each other. Um, I sat down with Fernando on on the sofa earlier this week. He came into our office. We had a, had a chat, and I asked him about this, you know, how the the rules are being enforced when it comes to on track uh, racing. And he was saying, you know, I look, I, I'm, I'm a justice kind of guy. I'm a fair kind of guy. Yeah, there he was pushing Kimi <laughs> off the track, Kimi passing him off the track and then obviously getting a kind of no call in that situation. So then he overtakes Giovinazzi in a, a clearly, you know, a foul move. And then, you know, Antonio repaid the favour, clearly another foul move. So, uh, yeah, I think we've still got work to do. I'd, I'd still like to see those stewards be a little bit more, you know, a bit more transparent, a little bit more um, letting us know what's good, what's bad, what, and, and why? Because we, I don't think that's coming across quickly, uh, quickly enough for us, for us to hear. We heard the um, on the team radio, we heard the Alpine team complaining vociferously about everything like that, and you hear Michael Massey being kind of very sheepish. And I think it just needs a firmer hand there, just to tell them, tell them to you know stop complaining, or you know, it, you know, we're we're the uh, we're the referees here you know don't come complaining to us or you know start handing out yellow cards you know i think it's it's got to that point where i think the uh, the arbiter needs to kind of fight back fight their corner a little bit more and show a bit of firmness towards towards the teams and drivers because they're trying to get away with liberties at the moment and uh, i don't i don't think that's a very good look that is a really interesting point you make there because it's been a big talking point of it this season so far. Of course, we have had that insight into the FIA radio, which is a, a fantastic addition to the coverage that we get and does give us a bit more transparency. Um, but there are still lots of questions um, around how the whole process works. Of course, today, as you said, we saw some instances where there were places given back, etc. Seth, what did you make of the action that we saw is specifically that Alonso versus uh, Giovinazzi and Raikkonen and all of the battles that he was having today. What did you make of them? Because they were very exciting to watch. Alonso seemed like he was really going after it today. It was. It was great to see the, you know, the icon uh, 
Fernando Alonso, two-time world champion, you know, go at it with uh, another world champion, and then he got into it with Gia Fanazzi. I think what I want to want to speak on is definitely that uh, to what Charles was saying was about the transparency and really helping people understand what happened. You know, when when you 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 go off track and then you get back in front of another guy, that you have to give that spot back. That you you know essentially as if you were on the road and you you took the emergency lane on the freeway and you went around a guy and then you came back in front of him, that's obviously an illegal move. Getting people to understand like, oh, well, it didn't look like he went off the track too much, but no, he did. He went back and came back on. He had to give the place back. Um, I want to see more of that in the broadcast, you know, for, for newer fans, because I'm always thinking about new fans, people coming in and trying to understand Formula One because it's a very technical sport. So things like that will help. But the battle between Alonzo, uh, Giovinazzi, between Raikkonen, very exciting great to see that you know like we said we love to see those type of battles happen all the time and um you know uh sad that we saw alonzo have to you know have to uh retire from the race but it was great to see him and kimmy Raikkonen get into it giovanasi the young guy trying to get in there with the you know with the older crowd you know but it uh it was very exciting to watch I want to quickly touch on Charles Leclerc because we sort of glazed past him a little bit in our rundown um, of today's events. But he did finish up P4, which is a really, really solid result for him. And he drove a really strong race today. I mean, we were saying in one of the previous podcasts, sometimes uh, the drivers that don't necessarily get that much airtime on the international feed, it's just because they are, they're just getting on with it and there's no there's no troubles coming their way, which seemed to be the case again for Charles Leclerc this weekend. A solid result for him to bring home in that P4. What did you make of his weekend, Charles? Yeah, just really strong. Really, really rate him. I think he's fantastic. Uh beating Daniel Ricciardo by 24 seconds today I think that's uh, that says a lot all about him um just uh, and and he was even closing on Perez when when Sergio was struggling uh, physically uh, I think he, he even closed in on him a little bit towards the end um he's just doing a really great job um I'm still being impressed with Carlos Sainz at Ferrari this year. I think for a for a first year, you know, we we know that Carlos has hopped around a lot of teams. Um and he's not far away from Charles at all. Um and I've I've been really impressed with that uh side of his game as well. Um today was a big handicap starting on the softs, uh that we we're always gonna drop off so so much quickly or more quickly I should say than the, the medium tires. But I think he did a good job today. Um, you know, to beat beat Lando. So there's there's that real sort of battle, isn't there, between Leclerc uh, Norris, Ricardo, Science, you know, I, th- I think it's it's just one of those themes that's going to, a bit like the title battle, it's just going to run and run between them for the, for the rest of the championship. Yeah, no, I um, like, totally agree with Charles. Um, I think we're going to see more, you know, more to come from these guys. You know, um, Charles Leclerc just delivering uh, when Ferrari needs them to. This young lineup that Ferrari has put together this year, I think, has worked out for them. You know, um, having Saints, they, they work well together. Um, you know, consecutive points finishes about what we've got nine or 10 consecutive point finishes for, uh, for Carlos Saints. We've got back-to-back fourth place finishes for Charles Leclerc. Um, you know, Ferrari is, I, I think they've put together a good roster and good lineup along with uh, McLaren. McLaren, Daniel Ricciardo and Lando Norris have, have been delivering. Daniel is also uh, has a, has a, a lot of following here in the, in the States as well. And it was great to see him drive uh, Dale Earnhardt's, uh, stock car around Coda today. Uh, it was a bit, it was a bit of a little something extra because he loves he loves it out here, 
And uh, that goes into the bigger picture of, uh, you know, bringing F1 closer to America, bringing America closer to F1 uh, with what they've put together at McLaren. So they always deliver. Uh, these guys, are, I think these guys are going to have an exciting battle. We've got these closing stages of races coming up, and I think there's just more to come. You couldn't wipe the smile off of Daniel's face when he was driving driving Dale Earnhardt's car. He was absolutely beaming. It was fantastic to see. And yeah, he is clearly very at home here in Texas. He was looking at the part all weekend um, and just in such good spirits. uh, The energy that he gets from this environment clearly showing uh, when it came to his on-track performance this weekend as well. Let's move a little bit further down our, uh, our grid, shall we? Yuki Tsunoda um, and Pierre Gasly. Let's spend a moment on them. Of course, Pierre Gasly retiring this race. Charles, do we know any more about what caused that retirement um, for him? I believe it was something to do with the uh, rear suspension. Uh, we also, you know, this this was a tough weekend on cars. We had uh, Red Bull suffered a, a cracked wing. I think it was FP3, wasn't it, where they, they had to panic into changing Max's rear wing before qualifying. Mercedes said they were going to have to uh, make changes to their cars to avoid them being, I think the, the, the word they used was massacred over the curbs. Um, and we, obviously we had the problem with the uh, both, both Alpines had to retire with uh, Fernando's rear wing. I think he sounded like he just failed on him. It sounded like it actually f- almost fell off his car. Uh, with Ocon, it was. I think they. I thought they said front end, but I think that was something sort of suspension related as well. So I think the the cars took a a super super battering around this around this racetrack. You know, there's so many so many bumps, so many curbs. You know, they really uh, they, the the cars will have been very well used up. And then uh, I think that the uh, the chassis guys, the car crew guys, will be very keen to get the cars, uh, you know, taken apart and rebuilt again with all lots of nice and new pieces that they're allowed to do. The bumps, I, I think, have been talked about quite a bit in, with Coda in recent years. Um, don't forget, when they built the track, they moved a lot of earth. I mean, there was, you know, mounds of dirt everywhere. And uh, because of that, you know, you, you know of course, the earth is going to move over over time. It's going to shift. It's going to move. It's going to cause these bumps and create these bumps. You know, it goes into the aging of a track. You know, I mean, you know, we all love the old tracks. They're they're not perfect. You know, they're not super clean. Uh, it adds some nuances to it. But then sometimes it can be hindrances, like we've seen this weekend with what happened with Gasly, you know, and Ocon, and you know, just being a hindrance at times. And I'm sure, as we saw on camera during uh, during the race, that we saw that the heads of the drivers just bobbling around like you know like a bobblehead doll, uh, you know because of just how bumpy it was out there. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, you can sit on and uh, and uh, Gasly have been producing. They've they've been scoring the points. Uh, they've been again delivering. You know for uh, for Alfatari. Uh, but yeah, I mean today we just we saw a lot of that. We were one. I was beginning to wonder at one point you know, was this going to really uh, play a factor into the race, you know, because we saw some front uh, implants getting getting cracked as well. So, uh, yeah, I think it's just going to continue on in time. We're going to see that from Coda. Hopefully they get it resurfaced. I believe they will resurface it next year. Well, before we continue, a huge thanks to today's podcast sponsor, for bringing this show to you for free. Party Casino is your first choice for sports betting, and that, of course, means Formula One. Who do you think will be the race winner next time out in Austin? Who's the favourite? Who's an outsider? Who will you bet on? You can also make a bet on this year's Drivers' Championship as it goes down to the wire now that Max has once again 
taken the lead. But it's not just Formula One. Check out the sports section of Party Casino to bet on the Prem, Championship, Bundesliga or La Liga. Maybe you're all about tennis, horse racing or MotoGP. Doesn't matter. There's 39 different sports you'll find in Party Casino. And if you want to hit the slots, enjoy full Party Casino experience with jackpot slots, the best Vegas games, roulette in the live casino, and all the blackjack games I know you love. So when you're ready, get the party started with 50 free spins on Starburst. Just go to autosport.com slash Party Casino. Easy to remember. Give it a go. Three easy steps. Sign up. Deposit 10 quid. Enjoy 50 free spins. Give it a go. Tell us how you get on. Autosport.com slash Party Casino. It's open to UK residents over 18. Read the full terms and conditions at PartyCasino.com and please gamble responsibly. And what do you make of Yuki Tsunoda's performance this weekend? Because it's been um, a bit of a tricky year for him. Uh, He's had some ups and downs. He came into the season pretty strong. Everyone was very excited about him. And then we know that he has struggled a bit to get to grips with the car. Of course, he's moved to be closer to the team, get more practice in. But this weekend, uh, he did a pretty good job actually winding up in ninth. And we've seen him doing some really brilliant defensive driving, especially over the last few races. What do you make of him and his position in the AlphaTauri team, Charles? I think he's pretty good at keeping Mercedes drivers behind him. We've seen that a couple of times, <laughs> haven't we? Where he's just recently. So I don't think there's any 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 problem with his uh, with his heart. He's he's definitely one of those drivers who wears that on his sleeve. Um, again, you know, obviously he made it into uh, into Q3 again. Um, I think he's. He's, he's so young, he's so raw, you know. Uh, Gasly's a fantastic benchmark for him. So whenever he's anywhere, ne- never mind beating Gasly, whenever he's near Gasly, that shows he's doing a, doing a cracking job. Um, I think he's he's that classic sort of uh, unpolished diamond, isn't he? Um, you know, you, you you can make a uh, you can make a quick driver slow down and stop crashing, but you can't really make a, a slow driver you know any any faster. So I think he's got he's got that speed. Uh, I I really rate him. I think he's the best Japanese driver we've seen for for many a year. Um, potentially could could even be the best we've ever seen. Uh, I think Red Bull. Obviously, the, the the Honda sort of let's say the title engine partnership is 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 going away, but I think obviously it's going to be there in spirit, and I think he's going to be a big part of that Red Bull family uh, going going forwards. I, I'm really impressed with him. He's just again, he's got to keep the car out of the wall. So as long as he can balance balance the uh, the finishes that's the finishes and the speed with keeping the car out of the wall, I, I think he's got a really big future. I'm I'm a fan of his. Yeah, I'm be- I'm beginning to wonder what you were talking about with the, the the partnership, you know, with Honda and Honda leaving. Now they're 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 doing so well, you know. I'm wondering, if, you know, if they've they've they're thinking to themselves, wow, maybe we shouldn't have decided to leave Formula One now because they're on the verge of winning, uh, you know, a constructors championship with Red Bull. You know, it's a, they're they're very close to doing it. They it can it can be done. But uh, yeah, I mean, you can still know that I think he's he's a massive potential. Though a lot of people feel like Pierre Gasly may have another shot on the um, you know main Red Bull team at some point, but you know don't doubt Sonoka. Don't do not do not doubt uh, Yuki out of that contention as well. Let's actually uh, pick up on that point, the Pierre Gasly and Red Bull point, because um, he's said recently that you know he feels that he does 
deserve another shot at that seat. And I think there is absolutely no denying that he has been on incredible, incredible form this season and is really showing up consistently, um, putting in those solid, solid performances. Do you think that uh, he should get another shot in that Red Bull seat? And also, do you think that um, it would be wise for him to have another shot? Because I know there are some people who think that actually he is excelling because he is in an environment that works for him. He is able to, you know, he's been able to find his own footing within the AlphaTauri team without the pressures that you have from being in those top, top teams such as Red Bull. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? Um, Seth, you go first. The thing is, I, I think with any teammate that's going to come alongside Max Verstappen, just like any teammate that comes alongside Lewis Hamilton, is going to have to deal with, a, with, with understanding that you're going to have to be patient. You're going to have to wait for your time. You know, you're going to have to wait because these star drivers have moved the team in their favor, have moved that shifted, you know, that garage that into their favor to where you're going to have to just wait, you know, and wait for those opportunities to come along. Now you can, you know, of course you can fight for that. And that's what you do when you get on team and you have a star superstar driver. You want to fight to try to get that momentum to swing to your side of the garage. You know, so uh, and I think Pierre Gasly can do that. You know, I think he can he can get in there and, and you know, take the fight to Max, just like Sergio. I mean, you know, we're waiting for that. I'm, I'm waiting for that at some point. I'm waiting for Sergio because Sergio's earned that. He has such a, an impressive record. He, he can deliver when you need him to. It's like a no brainer that he should not be fighting Max in this championship battle as well. Valtteri should be fighting for a championship. Well, but, you know, Perez, you know, Sergio should be fighting for one as well. I'd look at it as to what went wrong last time. Was it just a mental thing? Was it that he couldn't drive, you know, the direction of the car in terms of, you know, setup? Was it just that Max steamrolled him, which, you know... Seth makes a very good point. Max has put a lot of effort, just like Lewis has, into making that team revolve around him. So, you know, all the focus is on one side of the garage and not on the other. Maybe we saw it again today. The reason, you know, Max had a drink system throughout the race and we saw there was a panic before the race. Checo didn't. So suddenly, you know, so much focus gets put on one side of the garage, but the that sort of you know the deciding point for that ha- only happens on performance performance whether it's mental whether it's you know physical whether it's car setup simulator all these l- vast parameters that go into formula one and i go back to saying well what went wrong you know pierre had the chance he had those races and he really really sucked compared to max you know he just didn't perform i know he can perform because i've seen him perform and I know that he could do it in a in a fast car as well as a, a midfield car like an Alfa Tori. So what went wrong? Deconstruct that, you know, maybe he has to go and see a, dro- uh, you know, a mental coach or something like that. And then come back, uh, you know, stronger, a stronger driver. And I think he can do that. As we say, maybe that chance will never come around. You know, maybe that was his one and only shot. You know, it seems like it might have been for Alex Albon. You know, he's having to work his way up from from Williams. You know, he left to fight his way right back to towards a top car again. At least Pierre's only fallen so far. Um, can he do it? Absolutely. I think he's a fantastic driver. I think he can really deliver top results at that at the very highest level. Um, but he's we've we've got to realise that. 
he had that chance and quite often in Formula One you get one chance and you do not it doesn't come around again so he'll be very lucky if he does get another shot at it now we are drawing to the end of our podcast it's absolutely flown by which is always a good sign um, so before we wrap things up I do just want to quickly touch on something that we were talking about off air before we started today's recording and that was the growth of Formula One within the States of course it's the perfect time to talk about it because you two are both uh, residents of the US and of course are seeing it firsthand. Seth, it was something that we were discussing earlier and the turnout this weekend here at Cota has been incredible. The energy has been incredible, not just in the track, but also on the way to the circuit as well. You can just feel it all bubbling up. Um, what do you make of the growth of F1 within the States? Are you impressed by it? What are you seeing from being over here and you know really experiencing it firsthand? Formula One is finally becoming recognized and, and getting noticed, and the visibility of Formula One is growing here in the States. Great weekend at Coda, 400,000 attendants over the weekend. You know, that's great. Coming out of what was a very bad year, we didn't have a U.S. Grand Prix last year, but come back this strong, you know, says a lot. It says a lot to what's going on with the growth of Formula One in America. Ever since, you know, Liberty Media took over, you know, that first administration of Chase Carey and Sean Bratches really just came out the gates and just turned, and I don't want to say turned F1 on side's head, but they just updated it. You know, they applied it, you know, they introduced the digital platform so people could access it on their phones and tablets. Social media, they increased social media visibility. Um, these things are important. These things are crucial for the American audience. You know, because we, it's not an everyday life here in America to see Formula One. We can't, you know, you drive down the street and you see billboards or advertisements. You don't see drivers. You don't see advertisements for Mercedes with Lewis Hamilton's face on it. Though, I told you earlier, I did have this delightful conversation with a 65-year-old woman on the train. She was a grandmother, and she noticed that there was Lewis Hamilton on the side of, a, of an advertisement on the side of a train and got into this conversation about how she watches Formula One every race weekend with her brothers you know, and they absolutely love it. Those are signs right there of growth, you know, and of course you have things like Drive to Survive on Netflix. There's been criticism about it from the diehard fans. They don't really like it because it's kind of too dramatic and it's all over the place, but that's something we feed into in America. We love the drama, you know, we love the excitement. We want to know more than just these guys that put on gloves and helmets and race cars around tracks. We want to know about what's, you know, what they're involved in. You know, what they what they love to do when they're not racing, you know, and then, of course, we like to see the we want to see behind the scenes. And that's why Lewis Hamilton has such a big following out here, because they we, we love athletes who are involved in other things and just what they do. That's what becomes more. And Lewis Hamilton said that earlier in the week before the race weekend that he wants to be remembered for more than just, you know, racing for more than just the championships. He wants to be remembered as someone who actually did more that somebody who did something for humanity you know that's why he's involved in so many causes and so many uh you know actions and charities you know and movements and wanting to make change in, in motorsport for people of color that's why people gravitate to that especially americans you know we love that you know that's why we attach ourselves to our athletes and that's gone throughout sports history you know you look at all the you know great figures in sports muhammad ali arthur ash Althea uh, Gibson, you know, all those athletes who are involved in making change, we have, we remember them and we attach ourselves to them because of what they do more than just the sport that they're in. So, um, you know, I think sky's the limit for Formula One right now. Hopefully two U.S. races. We'll have Miami and Austin. And Miami is going to be a totally different monster. And I think Charles can tell you, 
you know, can tell you better than I can, but the, the Miami scene, the demographics that exist down in Miami are going to make that show, going to make that race weekend something totally different from what we've seen in Austin. Austin has done an incredible job, but it's a dem- different demographic than what we see in Miami. Miami is a much more diverse, much more bigger, bigger of a melting pot um, and a tourist destination, uh, which will help the, bring up the visibility of Formula One. So really looking forward to next year, next season. I'm sure you're probably uh, super excited about it, but yeah, it's going to be great. That's the energy that we want to see, though. That's exactly what this sport wants to tap into. And yeah, I echo it entirely. I can't wait um, for Formula One to build and build and build out here in the States. Charles, what is your view on it? And what are you hoping to see in the coming years from Formula One in order to make sure that we really do increase our presence out here in the States? Seth spoke so well and so passionately, it's quite a hard act to follow, but I'll I'll give it a go. Sixteen years ago, you think back to Formula One in America after the 2005 Indianapolis tire fiasco, and it was rock bottom. It was you could not do any worse publicity if if you if you could. You know, it was just a total disaster. You know, and then Formula One disappears for four years, and then comes back in Austin, and you know, kudos to Bobby Epstein, all his team there. You know, they built the track. They built up this race through difficult times. You know, I've, I've been to several races and there's been nothing like the fan base we saw there this weekend. It was just unbelievable, a total, total different level. And I obviously can think about, you know, COVID and people wanting to get out again and drive to survive and the, uh, the success of that. Everything's all kind of, you know, created this fantastic, you know, perfect storm for it to be such a success story this weekend. So I hope there's a lot of people feeling pleased themselves, I really do, because I think they've all done a done a fantastic job. And Seth was saying there that, you know, Miami next year, uh, that's going to be, you know, the, the next Grand Prix in America is going to be in Miami in May. Um, you know the guys there. I know are doing a doing a, a fantastic job. I was talking to the mayor of Miami just on Tuesday about you know how he's trying to make Miami this great sort of global gateway, not just for tourists but for technology and sports and everything like that as well. So this is this where I live. It's a it's a great sports town. You know we've got NFL, NBA, all the American sports, but there's also quite a melting pot of of cultures and it's you know the demographics much wider a lot of european people live here it'll absolutely i guarantee you the first year will totally sell out it will be another success story in america the the trick is going to be whether they can continue that year after year hopefully the 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 race is going to be good that first race is going to be good the track's going to be good and come together because there's going to be another kind of you know i don't like to call it a, a, a car parking lot race but it's you know it's a racetrack around a stadium so think of you know it's going to be more abu dhabi than uh, than than kota is the potential there is absolutely you know phenomenal you know it's it's a, it's a great international hub so people can fly in from all around huge uh, hispanic um, demographic as well, so Checo will have all his fans here. Um, so the, the again, as I say, the, the potential for this race can be uh, can can go off the scale and can and can elevate it further. And where where does it stop then? Do Liberty then think, okay, let's try and hit the West Coast. Let's have a race in Vegas. Do we go back to Indianapolis? You know, America's such a big place. It can it can it can have all these different races and they can all be very, very different from each other. You know, could you even go back to Long Beach? Fantastic venue, great Grand Prix that's now uh, for IndyCars. 
that would be a, a fantastic house city for a, for a Grand Prix as well. So I just love the buzz. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a really exciting time to, to, to live here and, and see it all happen, all unfolding in front of our eyes. Oh, it's absolutely fantastic. And just you talking about Miami has got me so, so excited <laughs> for next year. I really cannot wait to get out there. Um, it is going to be something very, very special. That is all we have time for today. Charles and Seth, thank you so, so much for joining me. I've honestly loved this conversation with you both. Hopefully we'll be able to get you on some of the future episodes as well because it's been such a pleasure. I hope that you enjoy the rest of your evenings. Have some time to now relax after that lovely intense weekend that we have had here in formula one thank you everyone for listening i hope that you've enjoyed the podcast and all of the on track action that we've seen we have a little break now before we head back on track in mexico and autosport will be back to bring you all of our podcast coverage so catch us again then thank you Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Reach new career heights with University of Maryland's Robert H. Smith School of Business. Flexible MBA and MS options. GMAT and GRE not required. Learn more at go.umd.edu slash smithschool. University of Maryland Smith School of Business. Inspired, fearless, unstoppable. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.